Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Night and Day podcast featuring the interview archives of Western New York music writer Tom Jennings. Tom has interviewed some of the biggest names in music and entertainment, and now you can enjoy these never-before-heard interviews. Here's your host, Tom Jennings. Welcome to another edition of the Night and Day podcast. This is Tom Jennings, your host, and this will be our first episode of the new year, 2020, 2020, and uh, we'll present a... Interesting interview, at least I think, with legendary guitarist Steve Hackett. Now, if you're not familiar with Steve Hackett, well, that kind of surprises me because I can't see any other reason why you would tune into this particular episode. But um, Steve was the guitarist of Genesis from 1971 to 1977, really the beginning of their most prolific and probably, I would say, on some level, critically acclaimed period that uh, included, you know, the, the Peter Gabriel era classic Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. And um, after Hackett left, I mean, the band took a, a began to kind of go move into a more pop direction. And Daryl Sturmer came in and handled the live guitar duties. And Mike Rutherford took over the studio guitar duties and you know Rutherford's a serviceable guitarist but he's certainly not a up to the level of of a guy like Steve Hackett uh, that was probably part of the reason that they brought Sturmer in to play some of the live stuff that you know Rutherford wasn't necessarily as good at and of course Sturmer played bass on some of the the live stuff too as well but anyhow this is this particular episode's about Steve Hackett Steve was coming to town for a concert at the Riviera Theater in North Tonawanda, as we will discuss. We'll talk about some of his uh, early recordings, his early solo recordings, his days in Genesis. And I think probably the thing that will be of most interest to fans is his discussion of when he thought that it would be a good idea to have Phil Collins take over as lead vocalist of Genesis. So, with that being said, hope you enjoy this one. Uh, again, always happy to see comments in the, you know, Apple iTunes or anything like that. I don't think I have any yet. So if you wouldn't mind taking the time to put something up, but if you enjoy these things, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. The contact information should be in the show notes for you. And here it is. My hey, yeah, Hack. it is uh, Tom, Steve. Uh, what an honor to speak with you. How are you doing today? Yeah, fine. Very good. Very good. Very good. 
Um, I appreciate you setting up this uh, this interview today. I know you're. It looks like you're over in the UK, or or, or at least that's where that's you're. That's right. I'm in the UK. Just finished recording. Yep. Oh, cool. What were you just working on? Uh, working on some new stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, working on, on new stuff. I I keep it coming, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I've followed your career, so I I know what you mean. You certainly have been very prolific in as far as uh, having that nice balance between revisiting your past and still putting out new material. So it, it must be very exciting for you to to keep doing the new uh, stuff. It is very exciting, yeah, and and you've got Independence Day there, haven't you? We do, so, yes, uh, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. We got uh, fireworks so, tonight and everything, so I know you guys. Your fireworks, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's good because because uh, uh, Roger King, who I was working with a few seconds ago, he said uh, he said oh, it's Independence Day there. I'm surprised they're working. So uh, <laughs> he thought that was national holiday for you guys. It is, uh, but it's not every day I get an opportunity to interview Steve Hackett. So when I saw uh, that, well, I said, go. absolutely. What better guy to talk to than... Workaholics. What better guy to talk to on July 4th than a British guy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen, if we could... Um, I'll try to keep this about 15, 20 minutes, if that's cool. Sure thing. Okay. And then um, we'll start with... You're coming out to North Tonawanda, the Riviera Theater, and I know you've been there before. I've seen you there before, and I've, I've, actually, first time I saw you was back in 81. But um, we'll talk a little bit about that later. So this okay. tour, we could start with selling England by the pound. Um, you know, obviously a very important album in your career, and certainly with your time with Genesis. But what? Why? Why now? Why this particular album? And I've read that it's your your favorite Genesis recording, and I'm wondering if that's true as well. Yeah, I'm, I've been doing Genesis Revisited for a while and cherry-picking across um, in favorite tracks from various albums. Um, but I got to the point where I thought, what if I went for the whole of... Well, two albums I was thinking of, you know, one was Selling England by the Pound and the other one was Spectral Mornings because that was having its 40th anniversary. A spectral... Sorry, let me go back to Selling England. Um... I've never done an entire Genesis album, and neither neither did Genesis back in the day. We didn't do entire albums, apart from Land Lies Down on Broadway. So I, I thought this was a good time to have a go at the whole of Selling England and also include one more track that Peter Gabriel wrote for the album, which didn't make it onto the, onto the record back in the day. But it was something that ended up being a co-write between the two of us. Um, some years later, finishing it off. So um, I do that. I include this extra track like a deleted scene or a little bit like a director's cut to, to invite people um, into the into the full picture of what was going on at that time. And, and it was a track that promised to be uh, special um, at a time when um, John Lennon said that we were one of the bands that he was listening to. So that was 1973, a very long time ago, but but it's clear in my memory that, that it's something that John Lennon said that he was interested in what we were doing at that time. And um, so for me, it, it marks that point where I think, for me, it's my favorite Genesis album. And there have been a lot of great albums from the band. Um, 
I was happy to work on, oh, I think, you know, maybe it's six or seven albums. Um, it might even be eight that I did with the band. Uh, there's also some live ones as well, of course. You know, there's, there's Genesis Live, Seconds Out, um, uh, uh, various live albums that, that have been released, some of which have been, you know, way after the date, you know. Uh, but Sunny England is, is always a favorite for me, and we've just toured it in... Um, Seven weeks of, 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 of traveling throughout Europe and Scandinavia. We did about 18 countries, and it's gone down a storm all over again doing that album. So I'm very proud of it. And, you know, I, I read that it was during kind of a difficult period personally for you that you were going through a divorce. So, I mean, I wondered, you know, maybe, uh, and I know Genesis certainly had their ups and downs as far as, you know, you guys getting along and just the pressures from record companies to put out new material. I'm wondering if they're, if the music maybe overshadows some of the personal things that were going on with you at the time, or if that's something that's so far gone, it, it, it's not even on your radar. Well, my memory is that we were touring the States for the first time, and um, whilst my marriage was extremely rocky, shaky at that time, um, nonetheless, um, I, at that time, I felt very at home on stage because that was the time when I would get away from personal problems. I'd be on stage doing what I was meant to do, and by the time it was Lamlice Down on Broadway, then I'd you know, we, my first marriage had broken up by then. Um, but I just remembered that, that I, everything was going into the music. Uh, the music was everything that a personal life should have been and, and wasn't. But the music was magic. So um, uh, that was intact and that was important to me. Is it true you were rehearsing in a house and you were getting noise complaints from the neighbors? I mean, this is all kind of stuff of legend, yeah. but I think we, I think with Genesis, we we were famous for rehearsing in in, in unlikely places. Um, for some reason, we never orientated towards, or we rarely orientated towards uh, rehearsal rooms. It was always someone's house or a cow shed somewhere, or um, it, it was eccentric in in the extreme and. Um, and then Lamb Lies Down was recorded initially we were going to do it at Headley Grange where uh, Red Zeppelin had, had recorded and, um, and we just ran out of time there and we ended up recording with the Stones Mobile um, in, uh, in a place in Wales but you know that was another house that was absolutely falling apart and uh, so that, well, once again great here we are you know it's like we've escaped uh, we've escaped from the rats that are running amok at Headley and now we're into a place that's being rebuilt and it's just there's a few floorboards and uh, here we are again camping out <laughs> well, that's you know, and and also uh, again, some of the 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 piece, the, the, now the theme itself, selling England by the pound, it kind of speaks to, I guess, the Americanization of the music industry over in England, and this was a way of you guys maybe trying to um, take back or at least present English music in a way that was palatable to the American public. Or am I just reading into this completely wrong? Well, uh, it was a title that, that Peter Gabriel came up with, and the first track included that line from it, selling England by the pound, but we were always 
um, anxious not to actually name um, the album as one track because it would draw a lot of attention to that one track. Magnificent though that track is, I think. You know, Dancing with the Moonlit Night is the name of that track. And I think it's something that he took from the Labour Party manifesto. Um, and I, I think... I can only guess at this, but I, I think it was to do with the idea of conglomerates taking over. Uh, whereas in England, there was this idea, you know, the romantic idea of the corner shop and the tea house and all this kind of stuff. And that was rapidly changing. So um, uh, I think that's what Pete had in mind uh, uh, with that. But um, it certainly meant that we were selling all things English and largely touring in America at that time. So the fact that we put the English stamp on it, I don't think there was, I don't think there was any anti-American feeling on it. Far from it. Um, I was just very pleased that the album was that strong and the the, the, the lyrics were often ambiguous, especially if they came from Peter Gabriel. And we had our first hit single from that album, a track called I Know What I Like. Yeah, I mean that's still. I mean that's a song you've you've done for years, and even Genesis was doing it after you uh, left the band as well. Have you ever? You know, I, I think right. I've I think I've asked you this before, but I know Daryl Sturmer took over for you, and Anthony Phillips was before you. But um, yeah. did you ever hear Daryl Daryl's approach on that solo on "I Know What I Like" or any of your other material? Because very oh, different yeah, style. I, I, but, you know. Yes, I, I I did. I I heard what Daryl did with not only that one, but also an entire. Set and 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 the, the famous first, the fifth solo, um, and he did it very well. He did it very differently to me. Uh, 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 you know, I saw it as a long, unbroken melodic line, though legato, all of that. Whereas I think that you know, when he was given a, a, a solo of that length, he tended to um, show his chops. You know, show what he could do. So he would you know play fast on that on that stuff. Um, I guess it's all sort of evened out with time, you know, um, some solos that I do um, stress the speed factor. And indeed, when I do I Know, I know What I Like, that one, we go into a, a shuffle in the middle of it, which takes off like a rocket. It's, it's a great fun moment for the band. It's the point where we, we all get really, really loose and we're kind of off the map, but we're not doing the record at that moment. We just want to give it the all-out energy that... Um, that I think it uh, always deserved, and and um, for me, the band I'm currently with uh, does. Uh, oh, sounds like I lost them. Yeah, no worries. After well, we're calling. You're calling from England, so you never know what's going to happen. I guess we're. That's right. That. That's for sure. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll move on to uh, a couple of others because we'll, you said I'll give maybe a couple more questions and everything like that. Um, sure thing. I, I did want to talk about, of course, uh, Spectrum Warnings. Actually, before we do that, yeah. I, did, I did have a Phil Collins question because I know that on selling England by the pound, it was the only really the second time that Phil had done lead vocals, and I know the story is that by the time. Peter left, 
that you guys were auditioning new singers and then eventually you decided on Phil as the lead singer. And I'm wondering if with Phil have, having already done two tracks doing lead vocals on him, uh, was why wasn't he just originally considered as the lead vocalist right after Pete left since he was already singing for you? Well, um, I, you know, I suggested that to Tony and Mike and um, they were saying to me they didn't think that you know, singing drummers looked any good <laughs> on stage. And um, uh, and then I remember being at Phil's first wedding and John Anderson was there and I was meeting him for the first time. And um, he said to me, oh, you know, why don't you make, um, why don't you make Phil the singer? Because he's got a really good voice. And... Um, and then why don't you get an, an, another instrumentalist as a cover of that? And I said, well, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, so far, the others have turned my idea down. Now, uh, we did actually um, go through the, the, the whole hog, and we were we were uh, auditioning other people. And um, um, I believe we actually auditioned the guy who became the singer of Rainbow, um, and, um, but at that time, you know, it was, um, I guess what seemed, you know, what was staring us in the face was the fact that Phil was always going to be the best bet. You know, he was already from, he was from the band, he was amongst the ranks. And when the idea came up of getting in Bill Bruford, who was a star in his own right, um, you know, that was always going to give us, give us the level of sanction that we needed, which said, yeah, this is a band and a force to uh, to be reckoned with, and I very much enjoy working with him, with Phil on vocals, and, and uh, Phil, you know, Phil running backwards and forwards <clears throat> to do the Phil and Bill show with, you know, double drum kits. Um, and then with T Chester Thompson a year later, I, it, it worked out incredibly well. So, um, um, yeah, luckily, I mean, funnily enough, the first thing I, I ever wrote Genesis was a track that Phil sang, and uh, so I was already a convert, an early convert to Phil's abilities as regards that. Um, and, and and it all seems so obvious now, doesn't it? And uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but sometimes these things have to be fought through. Well, it's, you know, it, I, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I could see the whole, you know, singer as a drummer thing, but um, I, I didn't realize that John Anderson was the one that suggested that, and certainly John is one of my yes, favorite singers he, of all time. He did, he did, he did suggest it, and and um, and uh, the suggestion made no difference. But um, as I say, you know, we started recording with someone else, and. Um, didn't like the sound of what the other guy had done with it and and said look let, let me have a go at this and um and the first track that he sang was squonk to my recollection it was squonk and he was already sounding very good tony stratton smith happened to come by just as that was going down and said oh this sounds really great sounds looks like you found your singer guys oh, i'm off he didn't hang around for any conjecture and um he was absolutely right. Phil was marvelous. Guy was supremely professional, always hit his marks. And um, uh, so it was really, really good for us that, that we had someone within the band who already had um, 
you know, a, an incredible voice that was a similar size and similarly compelling as as Pete's. So let, let's shift gears a little bit to Spectrum Warnings. Um, as I sure. kind of touched on before, I, the first time I ever saw you in concert, it was back in 1981 in um, Rochester, New York, at a place called the Triangle Theater. You were on the uh, tour for Cured, I believe. And I think at that point you, right. were, you were doing, still doing a lot of Spectrum Warnings material um, yeah. uh, from Cured, but you really weren't doing much from Genesis. I think there was maybe one song, and for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. I want to say yeah. Horizons. Um, but it, at what point did you... Yeah, I mean, Spectrum Warnings is obviously a very important solo album for you. I mean, was, there, was that kind of a time where you were really just singularly focused on... You know, people obviously knew you from Genesis at that point, but was it more important for you to kind of make sure that the solo material was at the forefront and not getting kind of stuck yeah. in the back? I think that um, it takes a while to establish identity uh, if you've been part of, of a band that was that was that important. And um, but I loved the sound of Spectral Mornings. I loved the fact that we had our own vocal sound, the harmony sound that was so much a part of that, of that, and and that we touched on world music with it. You know, very early days of that using the Chinese koto, and um, so that was. That was very important to me, and it was my first touring band. So for all those reasons, um, I have great affection for that album. Uh, it was marvelous doing it then, and it's and it's all the better doing it now with the kind of show that we're able to put on, you know, with lights and um, and everything, and all the guys that are in the band who are so uh, extraordinary at not only doing a great job of the Genesis stuff, but also the solo stuff. So I'm still really, really fond of of that, you know. Um, Sometimes I catch this stuff on YouTube and I go, wow, you know, this is really, really good. Yeah, I I, I, um, I interviewed you once before a long time ago. As I said, I mean, there's a lot of stuff of yours that, that I absolutely love. I, I think my favorite live recording was the uh, Tokyo tapes that you did with John Wenton. But I, it amazes me how compatible the older material is with the new material, even though the new material definitely sounds fresh. It doesn't sound like you're steeped in your past, but you you've been, seem to have that happy balance between carving out your own identity but still paying homage to an incredible time in Genesis, which was very important for Genesis and, and for Peter Gabriel and for Phil and for you and for Mike. I mean, that was you guys were all at your creative youth peaks, if you will. Yeah, I think it was um, uh, a lot of that stuff we did together um, uh, has really stood the test of time. Um, uh, so much of it has been re, re-released, and there's been a, 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 re, a remaster of um, uh, Seconds Out, for instance, uh, a half-speed mastering process of that onto vinyl, and that's something like crazy all over again. And I've, I've just been signing so many copies of that. Um, um, ironically, of course, it was the album when I I left the band at that time, but that was because I needed to. I felt I needed to um, uh, develop as a writer, and um, uh, it was um, not always easy within Genesis, where there were so many um, strong writers and dominating personalities. Um, so um, uh, all over again, you know that that stuff. It. It just comes back and it comes back again. Um, so 
I'm, I'm hugely proud of it, and I'm, I love doing these two favourite albums, that Genesis one, which is my personal favourite, and the other one is my personal favourite from the 70s, my solo one, Spectral Mornings. But then there's also, we do stuff live from um, At the Edge of Light, the latest album, which went in the charts in in 12 different countries. So it was, it was flying high there, and there's been great acceptance of the new stuff. So I've got, you know, I've got ancient Genesis stuff, I've got ancient Solo stuff, and I've got modern me stuff now. And I try and honor all of those separate periods. Yeah, and, and that's tough because, I mean, you know, a lot of these bands, they go out and they're expected to just sort of be organ grinders, you know, pumping out the old hits and everything. But I think that you've managed to, as I said, get the best of both worlds and you're still putting out new new material. And, you know, right before we spoke today, you're telling me you're still recording new stuff. So it, it's yeah, incredible. It's a, little, it's, a, it's a little bit like, I think, you know, Led Zeppelin and, and, and Pink Floyd, where if they do the hits what you think of is, oh, they're going to do the album in its entirety. Um, and, um, you know, those those bands were albums bands, and I think that Genesis was very much cast in that mold uh, when it started out. It was known for albums. There were occasional hit singles, but um, then it became, I think, a singles-orientated um, uh, thing obviously with the blessing of MTV and all the rest. And, of course, I benefited from that myself with with GTR. We had MTV and, and um, um, hit album and single from that, um, and that was, that was great to have. But um, uh, I, I tend to think that... Um, you have you have people who are capable of doing great albums, and if they suddenly start doing a collection of hit singles, which masquerades as an album, um, I, I think that, that fans notice that, and um, I think those albums sell less well in the long term, whereas the absolute classics, you know, that line up with the bands that I'm talking about, um, um, I think that the that, that Genesis is perhaps you know, yet to acknowledge, um, you know, just how important a lot of that that stuff was. It's a strange thing. There's, there's so much emphasis on over the singles and the film period. But, you know, before all that, you know, some, some people are surprised to hear that Peter Gabriel was the lead singer of the band. But depends how far back you go with that stuff. You know, the band was great in all its incarnations. But I think that I've also had you know, great bands associations myself um after that yeah no i i agree i i i you know forgotten about gtr um i just saw steve Howe the other night he was he was he still sounded great but that was uh certainly a, a project that was sort of uncharacteristic of of the stuff that you've done before and after but but certainly some some stuff to be very proud of in that project as well yeah, we had, we had a great time making that, and um, and uh, Arista Records did a great job on it. Clive Davis did a great job. Um, it was it was a very uh, a very interesting time, I think, where we were just we were just about you know we just about scraped it at that point. I think that you know had we been a year or two older, it would have been uh, you know nobody over thirty five gets a hit single. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you can 
you know, have your own studio, release the stuff yourself, and uh, perhaps you have to um, self-fund or self-produce once again, and to to prove your viability, because it 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 is an industry that you know, although it's full of magic, it has its um, it has its tragedies, and you've got to be resilient. Resilient. You've got to be able to to ride that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking thank the time you. out. Thank you. Lovely to, talking uh, to you again. To chat thank with you. you. And, uh, you know, looking forward to having you come back to North Tonawanda. Can't wait to see the show. You're I'm looking forward to looking forward to that again North Tonawanda great gig yeah they love you there man I'll tell you and uh, and your current band is, is just amazing I, I, I just I, I don't know uh, they're just a great bunch of guys and I'm sure you don't need to hear that but uh, I know a lot of times we've talked I mean this whole interview we've talked about a lot of other things but certainly your current band deserves a a lot of respect as well. They just they just approach this material with with such vigor and and such incredible musicianship. It's, it's great. yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I I, I really believe that they are, are an extraordinary band and um, they're capable of doing this and you know mountains more stuff. So um, I'm I'm hoping to work with them in the future. You know with with stuff. As I say, I've just started new material, but um, it's been great talking and. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Have a great rest of your day. All the best. All right. Thank you. Happy fourth. <laughs> thank Bye. you. Bye. All right. So once again, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Night Day Podcast and this particular interview. Steve Hacker will try to be a little bit more consistent as far as putting up these episodes, but I know that I have a few listeners out there, and anybody that takes the time to listen to the show, you prog rock fans in particular, I certainly appreciate it. And until next time, this is Tom Jennings saying enjoy good friends, good music, and good times. Thanks so much.